Since the beginning of the church, persecution has been part of the Christian experience. In fact, the Bible tells us that all who seek to live a godly life will be persecuted. Today, an estimated 360 million Christians are living under severe religious restriction. On this podcast, we share their stories. And we answer the question, how can American Christians live as Christ in an increasingly hostile culture? The way of the persecuted is the harder way. And this is the Harder Way Podcast. Hi there, welcome to the Harder Way Podcast. I'm Scott. And I'm Maddie. We're so glad you're here today with us. And, um, you know, this is our 36th episode. Can you believe that? 36. That's pretty wild when you consider there's only, what, 52 weeks in a year? Yeah, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. So we've been doing this for I'd, close to eight months almost. About eight months. Yeah. I think our first episode dropped New Year's Eve. Yeah. Of 2022. So. Yeah. Pretty, pretty cool, stuff. pretty cool, and uh, we have uh, uh, some faithful listeners, and so hello to all of you, we're so glad you're with us. And You know who you are. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> we could just name you all. But <laughs> um, we won't. <laughs> but you know, um, we're just excited, I'm excited, I'm excited about what this podcast is becoming, mm-hmm. you know, and this is kind of like the modern equivalent to what a newsletter used to be. Yeah, I would say but, so. But we do a newsletter too. Yes. You know, and and uh, we encourage you all to get that. You know this this podcast is about really sharing with American Christians and hopefully Canadian Christians, if anybody in Canada is listening, because you all need this more than we do, um, to to prepare for increasing religious restriction and persecution in America, mm-hmm. and. In this last couple of years, I think if you're paying attention, you've seen it. You've seen. Right. There's been a shift. For oh sure. yeah, and you have you know you have people in the in the Department of Justice that are that are sitting in churches and monitoring what churches are doing. That's what they do in, in the persecuted church. Right. It, when you said that, it reminded me of uh, you know things that we hear about all the time going on in China. Yeah, or That's Cuba. A, yeah, or Cuba. Yeah, or absolutely. Vietnam. Any of those places. Yeah, if there's a church, they'll be there. They everybody knows there's a government monitor in the church. They and they don't even they know might who not it know is. who it is. But they usually don't know who it is. Yeah. But you know that's happening in America now, and you know Christian speech about things that we believe just from the Bible is becoming it's being called hate speech. Mm-hmm. I remember watching movies about the future and the end times and stuff 20, 30 years ago, and they would they would refer to Christians as haters, and I would think that could never happen. That's so illogical. And here we are. Right. (laughs) Right. Not that you're saying it's the end times, but just to say that when you were watching those movies, the concept of Christians being pretty universally referred to in American society as haters, that's something that seemed so foreign. But now it's something that maybe not everybody is calling Christians haters, but a decent percentage. So, you know, God ordains the times... And the seasons and the places where we are, where we are born, and where we live, and where we die, mm-hmm. He ordains Scripture those things. Scripture tells us that we know, and this. we know that we are here for such a time as this. We are here in the United States in 2023, and with the experiences and the knowledge that we have um, for the the people who are listening now, we're here for you, and we're here to share this message and to share this content with you. But what is this message, and what is this content, Maddie? 
Well, the main concept I would say that we are trying to get across to American Christians, Canadian Christians, well, we'll say North American to make yeah, it simple. Yeah, right, right, right. The, the main concept we're trying to get across is to encourage all of you listening and ourselves as well to live a life of faith over fear. Faith over fear, yeah. Because that really is the biggest message, the biggest thing that we see from the persecuted church is what it looks like to live a life of faith over fear. Mm. And most of the things that we talk about on this podcast are really practical applications of that concept. Well, that's so much, you know, and I'm coming to this as somebody who's been a pastor and who's taught in church. I still teach in churches. I just scheduled another speaking engagement today, but um, I, and I'm speaking in the church on Sunday. I was going to say, you're preaching on Sunday, actually. Yeah, and... You, so much of what we hear in churches, what we learn in our even in our seminaries, it's not practical application. It's just it's concepts and content, right? And it comes from that Hellenistic or that or also known as that Greek model of learning that Americans, you know, the other, those of us in the West follow, which is that we're going to transfer knowledge and we're going to consider that to have, have to be like the whole product, mm. right? Once you know something, right. But our faith is a Semitic faith. It's a faith from the, you know, from the East. And the, our faith is transferred through head knowledge, yes, but it's also transferred through walking with somebody. So it's, it's mm. transferred through the practical application of being a Christian. You know, it's not enough to say, you should forgive your enemies 70 times 7. You have to actually do that and practice yes. that. Right? It's not enough to read the story of the woman with the issue of blood who touched the hem of Jesus and was healed. We have to make it a habit of touching the hem of Jesus on a regular basis and, and knowing that he's going to heal us. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and whatever, metaphorically or spiritually. Physically, or emotionally, phys- whatever, whatever. However you mean that, wherever you're coming to him uh, uh, with. Well, and, you know, just a moment ago, you're mentioning several different instances that are recorded in scripture and I want to kind of sit in that for a minute because that is really the crux of this entire podcast, this entire ministry. It's all centered around scripture. It's yeah. all centered around the Bible because one of the number one lessons from the persecuted church is that they have a proper view of the Bible and give it the right place in their lives and in their faith. They, they, they see the scripture as something that is truly precious and truly make it the foundation of not just their faith, but of their entire lives. Right. And that's why, um, you know, a, a part of this ministry, the, the main part historically has been, getting Bibles to persecuted Christians. And it's so it's so sad when you think about it that those of us who are here in the United States, most of us don't have that scripture, that that proper understanding of the role of scripture. And yet we can have as many Bibles as we want. And yet those in the persecuted church... Oh, go ahead. I literally just looked to my left and counted 18 Bibles. And, different translations and different languages. And I can think off of the top of my head at least... Five that are in the room behind us, at least four that are in my room, one that's upstairs, yeah, and a whole bunch in the garage. There's so, one. There's another one. There's another right one there. over there. So that's the thing. It's it's so sad to think about that American Christians don't have the right view of scripture, 
And they can get as many as they want, and yet our persecuted brothers and sisters, the scripture is being actively withheld from them. And yet they just have this hunger for it, this craving for it. And that's why it is so critical to get the Bible to our persecuted brothers and sisters, because the Bible is the living, breathing word of God. It's not just a book filled with interesting stories or a book filled with great advice on how you should live. It's supernatural. I mean, mm-hmm. if you're one of those people that says, I don't know, maybe the supernatural exists, maybe there's magic, maybe there's, you know, um, ghosts or whatever, you don't need to believe any of that stuff if you want to believe in the supernatural. The Bible is supernatural. Mm-hmm. And the book itself, I got to tell you, we, we do a Bible program uh, where we live and uh, we have like a little nine-month um uh, certificate in uh, biblical studies and ministry that we, we present. In fact, we're starting Tuesday night with our largest class ever. We're excited. It's all free because that's how we do our ministry. We trust God. We walk by faith. Mm-hmm. And don't uh, fundraise. Don't, don't fundraise. None of that stuff. Yeah. No, we don't even advertise. Yeah, nothing. And, and yet we have our biggest class yet. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> praise and, the Lord. And for that. we, the core of that is reading the Bible cover to cover in nine months. And I've got to tell you, we have so many people that come back to us that are like, it was this, that nine months transformed me. It changed me. It changed the whole course of my life. Mm-hmm. And sure, we study Old Testament survey and New Testament survey. We study hermeneutics. We study worship. We, what else do we study? Uh, church history. Yeah. All the different aspects of, you know, theology, you know, Christology, yeah. soteriology, all those things. Pneumatology. You know, we study yeah. apologetics. Yeah, all that stuff. And uh, so we, we basically have like the core of what you'd get in the first two years of Bible mm-hmm. college, right? And it's all awesome and it's all important. But it's the reading the Bible. Yes. That's the main thing. Yeah. In fact, Everything I, else feigns in comparison. I tell young preachers, I tell them, listen, you know, the most, they get really caught up with what am I going to say? How am I going to say? How am I going to preach it? The most important thing a preacher says from the podium is the scripture they read. The so, rest of it's fluff. So make sure that if you're going to be preaching or teaching... That most of what you say is coming straight from the scripture. And None of this, oh, we're going to preach a two-hour sermon out of one verse right, nonsense. Right, right, <laughs> right, right. Yeah, really, really, because the word is, it is supernatural. It has the power to change you, to transform you. You know, it's like this. Um, I, I'm sure a lot of folks listening have stories. I have stories. You have stories of when you meet somebody who's kind of like a big deal or you know somebody that's famous or somebody that you think is really amazing and they usually aren't that <laughs> but every once in a while you meet somebody who really is mm. what they portend to be and those people are what we call great people and a great person has an impact on those around them and you don't you don't leave their presence without being changed right mm-hmm. yeah i remember i had i had lunch one time at an event, and they had kind of a private pastor's lunch within the event. And uh, I had lunch with Rudy Giuliani. This, <laughs> Why uh, was Rudy Giuliani a, at the pastor's me a, event? Me and a few guys. And this was before all of the p- political stuff and all that. This was when he was just America's mayor. Oh, okay. Right? And just and he was talking about the leadership decisions he made. After and 9-11. After 9-11, yeah. right? So that was when everybody loved Rudy Giuliani, and he was America's mayor. It wasn't it – was, so think of that old – version okay but it was i left that lunch changed just listening to about the importance of leadership and the importance of of uh you know having your priorities straight and the importance of thinking through things before they happen Mm -hmm. and that's that was one of the little foundation seeds for uh 
this um, podcast is thinking through things before they happen. Hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So, so we're. Th- so, what do you think we need to think through before it happens? Well, I think that you know, as we mentioned in the beginning of this podcast, we need to think through restriction and persecution before it happens. Why? Because you know, the analogy that we use on this podcast a lot is this idea of a marathon. Mm-hmm. If someone were to put a gun to your head, yeah. we'll say any given person, just Again? an average person, <laughs> to put a gun to your head and say, run a marathon right now. Or die. Or die. I'm going to shoot you through the head if you don't run a marathon. Everything within you will be saying, run the marathon. And you'll be trying. And you'll have that adrenaline rush. And you'll you'll do what you can. But... I would say probably 90 plus percent, probably more like 95% of people would not be able, even with the greatest motivation, the motivation of life and death, would not be able to run a marathon without having trained for a marathon. And so that's what we need to look at when we're talking about religious restriction and persecution. So they come, when they come, it's it's the gun to the head, now you got to run a marathon. And you say, okay, okay, I've been trained. I've been training for this because if you did that to somebody who'd been training for a marathon, obviously they would be afraid, but they would be able to do it. Mm-hmm. And so when it comes to persecution and restriction, and we'll clarify uh, the difference on those in a moment because for anyone that may be new, there's an important distinction there. We want to make sure that we are firmly rooted and established in our faith, like we read about in uh, Colossians 3, so that we can have that deep connection with Jesus that's going to sustain us, that even when we're met with the scariest things, we're able to choose faith over fear. Because choosing faith over fear is something that you have to practice. It's not something that, that comes easily. So when we say training, preparing, you're really training yourself, or I would say probably allowing the Holy Spirit to train you to live a life of faith over fear, to consistently choose faith over fear. So that when you're put in those extreme situations, you'll be able to make the tough choice. So you have to, we have to learn to deny ourselves now hmm. so that when we are forced to deny ourselves, it doesn't freak us out. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. So in a way, I was thinking about it. We're like preppers, but we're not. We're not, you know, grocery store preppers and putting all the stuff in the, in the in pantry. The pantry. And, yeah. We're spiritual preppers. <laughs> right. Well, and there we're you go. storing up treasure. Where moth and rust do not destroy. And we're storing up treasure, and we're doing that by abiding in Christ. John fifteen. Je- Jesus literally, when he says in John fifteen, "I am the vine; you are the branches. Abide in me." Uh, you know, and he says, "Apart from me, you can do nothing." He at the end of that uh, end of that thought, when you get down toward right at the end of uh, the end of John fifteen, beginning of John sixteen, he says, "And I'm telling you this because the time's coming when people are going to persecute you and kill you. They're going to think they're doing good, mm-hmm. right?" So he says, "The key to dealing with this is abiding in Him." Well, what does it mean to abide in Christ? How do you do that? Well, there are several different- I, because I think <laughs> abiding is the big part of one of the big. A big part of how we develop faith over fear. Oh, absolutely. It's. I'll just say this. If you're not doing that, right. you have no hope of living a life of faith over fear. Right. You might just kind of stumble into choosing faith 
a couple times, but if you want to live consistently a life of faith over fear and consistently choose that, you cannot do it without abiding in Christ. And, you know, abiding in Christ, you know, when I was talking to my nieces about this, they're little kids, you know, and so abide is not a word that they understand. And so I kind of phrased it as staying connected Right. And we looked at that analogy of, you know, the vine and the branches. I said tree because, again, (laughs) we don't live in an area that has a lot of vineyards or anything. So they understand trees better. But I I was talking to them about um, how to stay connected to Jesus. And when I was walking them through it, there were three key ways um, that I told them how they should do it. And it was funny because the middle one, she says, can you tell us? Um, how to do this, like how you would since you and grandpa like teach the Bible and stuff. And I said, I'm telling you exactly what I would say in a class or on our podcast. I'm just using language you can understand, but the principles are the same. So for all of you today, the principles are the same. So if we want to abide in Christ, the first and and really most important thing uh, is doing that through the scripture, because we know that engaging with the word of God When we engage with the word of God, first of all, we are engaging with God. With Jesus. And with Jesus. Because Jesus. Exactly. That's what I was was getting at was that the Bible is the book of Jesus because, you know, Jesus tells us the Old Testament, the law and the prophets are about him. Right. We know the gospels are about him. Right. That's pretty straightforward. We know that uh, most of the New Testament epistles are either explaining things that Jesus said or are talking about uh, how to live as uh, the church, his body, right. Jesus' body. And then the final book in scripture, Revelation, is talking about Jesus' return. Well, that's some, so it's all about him. That's some deep theology right there. <laughs> so if, if we want to abide in Christ, the number one thing is uh, consistently engaging with scripture. We also know that if you want to have a relationship with someone you have to know them. And we get to know Jesus. We get to know the Lord through scripture because that's how he's chosen primarily to reveal himself right. to us, um, to, to teach us about who he is, what he does, is through scripture. So that's number one. Number two uh, is through prayer and worship. Mm. Because, you know, like I was telling my nieces, how can you have a relationship with someone if you never talk to them? Right. If you became friends with somebody and then just never spoke to them again, would you still say, oh, yeah, we're friends? No. (laughs) Well, you know, okay, okay. I have some people that I consider friends I don't talk to very often. But when I do, it's like we never weren't around each other. Yeah. But you're talking about people that you just never talk to. Yeah, you just never talk to ever again. Let me me give a couple, can I give a couple thoughts on uh, the prayer prayer and worship? worship? Yes, please. You know, um, we, our prayers, I think, especially for those of us who were trained at a young age to pray, our prayers can often be more like sitting on Cosmic Santa's knee and telling our a wish pony list. and a bike. Uh-huh. <laughs> and please make me feel better and please help Aunt Sally's toe and because her bursitis or her bursitis or gout or whatever. You I know. want a new job right. and a raise and a nice house. <laughs> right, right, right. And so... And so, um, but really, if you think about the Lord's Prayer as the example of how we should pray, since the Lord said, this is how you should pray, uh, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That's the beginning of the prayer. 
And I want to encourage everyone, and, and I encourage myself in this as well, start praying by praising. Mm-hmm. And if you're not sure what to say, go to the Psalms. Uh, and there's, you know, there's 150 of them. Go through the Psalms. And what you can do is look up, just read through and look for declarative statements about God. Mm-hmm. And then there's say those. Okay. So like D- David will say, you know, the Lord is my shepherd. Or the Lord is my strength. Or the Lord is my shield. Or, you are the, the Lord is the cleft and the rock or whatever. So you can say those, you know, if Lord... Uh, I just come before you this morning and I lift up your name. You are my father. You are my strength. You are my shield, Lord God. You are the rock of my salvation. You are my hope, Lord. You are my shepherd. Please lead me. You are my... And just keep declaring those praises until you feel like he's just been doggone good pray, good and praised, you know? <laughs> and <clears throat> that will do something to your prayer life because then it becomes about worship and not just about asking. Hmm. And he doesn't. He's not just your cosmic Santa. That's good. So, so really add that you know that richness to your prayer life by adding that praising. It'll make all the difference in the world. And also, when it comes to worship, you don't want to be a like a you know a total killjoy on worship, but you want to make sure that you're thoughtful about what am I singing? Hmm. Like, what's the theology of what I'm singing? Because you know you're putting you're singing out words, you're declaring out words, and I, I think like the signs I'll read a song, I hear a song, and I'll see this church. And the whole church is singing a song like, you know, here am I, Lord, send me, I'll go. And I'm like, no, you won't. <laughs> you're not going anywhere. You can't yeah. barely sing the song. And so think about what you're singing. And if you're singing it, make it more than a song, a worship song. Make it a prayer. Mm. Yeah. Okay, go on. That's What's good. number three? And number three, uh, on, on a similar theme, I suppose, is spending time with other Christians. Mm. Because... When we are engaging with other Christians, we're engaging with other members of Christ's body. Because the same Jesus who lives in them is the same Jesus who lives in us. We're all members of Jesus' body uh, as Christians. And so if you are spending time with other Christians, you're spending time with Jesus. And so if you're talking about staying connected to Jesus, we're staying connected to Jesus by reading his book, we're staying connected to Jesus by talking to him and we're staying connected to Jesus by uh, spending time with the other members of his body. Right. Right. And so that uh, means coming together and, and, and fellowshiping with fellowshipping with each other. Um, like it says in Colossians, encouraging each other with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Um, well, even a, just being part of each other's lives. Well, it's such huge. a great place to practice scriptures. Mm-hmm. Because you're going to get opportunity to be sharpened and to sharpen. You're going to yeah. get opportunities to forgive and be forgiven. Mm-hmm. You're going to get opportunities to pray for people and to be blessed and to be a blessing. You're going to get to live the scriptures in the context of community. And so you're going to grow spiritually. And I think it's important to, you know, um, you don't want to just clamor to those who you perceive to be further down the road than you spiritually. Although it's good to have kind of some senior mentors. Um Make sure that you're also the senior person in the room sometimes. Like you're also able to speak into people's lives and to and to encourage them and to bless them. You know, don't always don't be a a a, a pond that receives but never lets anything go out, and you'll become dead and stagnant. Mm-hmm. You know, you need to let life flow in from others and then let life flow out of you. More like well. a river. 
you're more like a river. You want to be a part of God's, what I call being part of God's economy, hmm. right? And he'll work in you and through you and, 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 and use you if you get to become a part of that economy. Now, when we're talking about faith over fear and we're talking about abiding in Christ and, uh, and growing our, our faith over fear, I think one of the things that we have to recognize is that we, we do understand that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Yes. But that's a righteous fear that leads to righteousness. That's the only, we'll say, good fear. Yeah. That's the, the only fear we should have. The kind of fear we're talking about is the kind of fear, well, I'll give you an example. Just this last week, we had all kinds of fires around us. And there was one day where it seemed like every 20 minutes I was hearing of somebody I knew or somebody that knew some, somebody I knew that knew somebody who was losing their home, mm-hmm. burned out. And yeah. we're, we're, we're still hearing stories every day from people who were burned out. Um, these were massive, you know, 10,000 plus acre fires. And, you know, um, it's interesting how many people say, I didn't know what to grab. I just grabbed weird random things as I was running out to my car and trying to get away. Others were like, I just grabbed my family and we ran out. And I th- right. threw the horse pin open so the horses could run out free. And that's it. And got out, right? Yeah. And... um that kind of that kind of fear and panic it's really difficult to think it's really difficult to make new decisions good decisions you know that's why in the military in the military you train over and over and over and over so that when you're in the heat of combat and your rifle jams you don't have to think about how to clear that jam it's so ingrained in you you just do it um choosing faith over fear we have we have to practice fear now so how do we practice fear? We put ourselves in situations where fear becomes uh, can become an obstacle. So we deny ourselves. Mm. What do we deny ourselves? Well, primarily what we're denying ourselves of is a sense of control. And Yeah, and our securities. And our securities, yes, yeah. yes. So we choose ways to deny ourselves control. And the way we can do that is by choosing the harder way. That's the name of our podcast. The Harder Way Podcast. <laughs> That's right. Because if you think about it, um, you're looking for a dis- you're looking for uh, for something to do. Let's say um, you're, not, you're not looking for something to do, but you have something. To you do. have something to do. You have a situation uh, that that requires you to do something big. Um, so, for instance, somebody asked me just recently, "Would you be willing to do this big thing?" Mm-hmm. And I said. Without even thinking, I said, yes, but I would need these conditions to be met in order to do it. And my next thought wasn't, what? so how do I go and fundraise and get the money and do these things? My next thought was, so I'm looking forward to seeing how the Lord provides. Mm -hmm. Why was that my next thought? Because I've practiced trusting the Lord and walking in faith. And so I look at it and I say, is the money going to come for that? I don't know, but the Lord knows. But I know this, the way of trusting him to provide is much harder than it is to just go out and get it on my own. Mm-hmm. Right? And you just hit on something. You you said a phrase that is an important part of living the harder way. Um, and those are the seven words of faith. Hmm. Where you just said, I don't know, but the Lord knows. Right. Or I do not know, but God knows. Or, yeah. I Some don't know, version but, of that sentiment. You know? <laughs> Yeah, and those those are that's really key because when you're trying to decide what is the way of faith, uh, what is the harder way, 
when you get to the answer, how when you have the question, how am I going to do this? And then the response becomes, I don't know, but the Lord knows, you know you've hit it. And that's what our persecuted brothers and sisters, that's what they're facing every day. Because they're looking and saying, how am I going to feed my family? I don't, I don't know, know what the, the Lord, Lord knows. knows. You know, they're saying, um, how am I going to get this medical thing dealt with? I don't know, but the Lord knows. How am I going to be able to be a Christian and share my faith and not wind up in prison? I, I don't know, know but the, the Lord, Lord knows. knows. How am I going to get through this season in prison? I don't know, but the Lord knows. How's my family going to be taken care of? I don't know, but the Lord knows. I mean, it goes on and on. And it gets much darker and much worse depending yes. on the context. Mm-hmm. You know, we're our frame of reference is primarily Marxist communist countries. But you think about some of the Islamic countries or, or places where radical extreme mm-hmm. Islamists are, are um, taking over and it gets darker and worse. Yes. It's really or you're, bad. You're really looking at facing imminent death. You know, just for someone knowing that you are a Christian, not even for, you know, we'll say, quote, unquote, and these doing two, these anything. These people take glee in it. I mean, they're just, they, and yeah. how am I going to survive this? How am I going to endure this? How am I going to cope with these deaths? Mm-hmm. I don't know, but, I don't the, know, Lord but knows. the Lord knows. And it's, it seems, it can seem trite almost at first when you right. consider these really serious situations, but you realize that it's so much more than just words and so much more than just a phrase because it all goes back to the sovereignty of God and his providence. The fact that he is so far above us, that he uh, is infinite and eternal, that he knows everything Mm. and knows every possibility, that he's all powerful, that he's working all things together for the good of those who love him. That um, when we're able to realize that, we're able to take comfort even in the darkest of situations in the idea that even though we don't know, God knows. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, listen, we talk about these and more issues also in our uh, Courier Courier updates, and we get specific information there about what's going on in the persecuted church, you know, kind of in real time as we're dealing with our, Mm -hmm. um, as we come back from missions. And then we're also sharing, uh, in between times, we're sharing uh, thoughts and ideas and encouraging words uh, for us, uh, uh, for you. And and this uh, career update comes right to your mailbox uh, with Mm -hmm. a stamp on it and everything. Well, with with a (laughs) postmark on it. Yeah. And uh, uh, we'd love to get that to you. So if you'd like to receive that, and we think you really need to receive it, uh, nationsforjc.com. Just send us a an email and we'll send, we'll send you a link uh, that you can fill out uh, to, and then we can get you all set up with that. Mm-hmm. It's real easy to do. And a lot of people, people think it's a real encouraging and valuable tool. Uh, and then, Nations for JC, the number four, the letter J, the letter C uh, at gmail.com. Yeah. So listen, uh, we, uh, well, you have been listening. Thank you for that. We're really glad that. <laughs> Thank uh, you for listening. We're glad you've been with us on this journey so far and we look forward to sharing more and, uh, with you and of course we'll have some fresh insights as we get back to be with the persecuted church in the very near future um, until then though uh, God bless you guys and and thanks for being along with us on the ride and thanks for choosing the harder way it will bless you and bless those around you in the long run we look forward to bringing you another new episode next week and we will see you next time bye 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 thank you for listening to the harder way podcast If you were encouraged by this episode, please consider sharing it with a friend or leaving us a review. 
To be the first to know when we publish new episodes, subscribe to the Harder Way podcast on your favorite platform. Until next time, remember the words of Christ. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven.